Lucas, this is a big day for us. Really? Like bigger than all the other? I mean, like we got a Pokemon game coming out. Those are pretty big days for us. But similar to the very popular book and movie, we found a zoo. Yes, you found a zoo. Lucas in particular found this zoo. So <laughs> one of the things um, I whenever you, I go on Twitter and try and see what we find, we actually have a couple of pretty awesome podcasts that we've gotten a chance to talk to. And if this one, um, honestly, they're huge Pokemon fans, too. They're an animal podcast called Just the Zoo of Us. So while we wait, <laughs> they're phenomenal. While we wait for this new game to come out, I thought, you know what? Let's bring some animal like this. One of the best animal podcasts in the world, in my opinion, with us today. Let's talk a little bit with them. Me and Chris sat down with an interview with them. It was a lot of fun and we'll get to some news. We'll have some fun with the interview. Going to be a good time. Wait, does any of them know? Was it Brad Pitt or Matt, da- it was Matt Damon? Matt Damon. Yeah. Mm. Wait, no, ew, because he likes cryptocurrency. We're good. Pass. Uh, it's, all, it's always the crypto that ruins it. Uh, she, <laughs> ruins she's a 10, but she tries to get me into a crypto scheme. Okay. On that point, cue the music. <laughs> so how do y'all feel about eels? Oh, they're delicious. I think they're awesome and mysterious because we don't know where they go. We we do now. Well, we do now, actually. We do As now. of, like, right now. The veil has been lifted. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean we don't know where they go? Eels, uh, European eels specifically, they leave the con- they leave the continent, they leave the oceans around it, and they go offshore, like, way out into the open water. Nobody officially knew where they went, and then they would just come back. Like, no one knows where the breeding ground of eels are specifically, and that's just something that is... Somewhere in the Sargasso Sea was previously pretty much all we thought. Yeah, and if you don't know where the Sargasso (laughs) Sea is... Yes. So no one bothered to ever follow them? It's hard. They go thousands of miles. They go deep underwater. Like, you can't just simply track them until recently we've had the technology to do it. Also, there's respecting privacy. What's important about all of this is that we finally, like, okay, eel is very delicious, but one of the big issues is that with eels, they are being super depopulated. Like, they're one of the fish you should avoid when you're eating on a menu, and most people don't know that because, well, it's one of those fish that is just hard to track. But now that we know at least the general area in the Sargasso Sea, we can actually start learning a bit more about their breeding habits and maybe improve farming or better and help to protect these areas so that way the wild population can bounce back. This is a major issue with animals that migrate. Um, Great white sharks are a great example. If great white sharks are protected in one country, but not another, and they're migrating between the two, then your protection is kind of worthless. So with the eels, it's really cool that we finally have this. And the Sargasso Sea is really close to the United States. It's right in the, if you ever see a map of the Gulf Current, right in the middle of that. The Sargasso Sea is where a bunch of kelp and seaweed kind of... And sargasm. Sargasm, thank you. It floats to the sea and it just sits there. And it allows it so there's lots of life that thrives here. It's a giant thriving ecosystem. And that's where the eels have been going. We officially have proof. We track them with GPS. They changed depths multiple times. They went all this distance. And we were able to get some that were tagged to actually survive. Apparently, the migration is between 3,000 and 6,000 miles. It's nuts. It's amazing that we finally figured this out. It's been a mystery for 
centuries, and we still have so much to learn. I- I'm super excited that we learn more about the eels. I, I think they're great. How did they track them? Was it just was it very standard, like putting a, a little like thingy on one of them and just seeing where they go, or was it did they have to be more intensive because the eels were slippery? Honestly, it was just making sure that I could uh, tag them with detachable satellite trackers and um, make sure they could actually move. The problem was that not all of them make it. And so you aren't able to get all that data. So they, from what it says here, six eels reached the Sargassum Sea breeding grounds months later with their satellite trackers still attached. Data from 15 other eels were collected along the way. The longest recorded straight line distance was 1,410 miles. Sick. It's amazing. I love eels. Yeah, eels are a, a really good example of a catadromous fish, which is a fish that lives the majority of their life in freshwater and goes out to ocean to breed. And like most people, they think of migratory fish that migrate to breed. You're thinking of like anadromous fish, which is like your classic salmon. Um, but there are, there are quite a few catadromous fish as well. But eels are probably the biggest example because they'll spend like North America and Europe will spend um, most of their adult lives in river systems and then head out to sea. What's the point of switching the type of water, Don, for breeding? Well, it, it kind of depends. Some places you're looking at like maybe they want greater larval dispersal. Like if you're going into fresh, if you're going from fresh to salt. You know, like we're kind of just learning really about exactly it. So maybe not um, like salmon mainly like to go up the streams because it's there's a much less like it's much less predator dense. And like especially because salmon typically prefer colder water. So you're looking at places that have like a lower overall like biomass and they fall apart. But eels, I don't think fall apart. So like eels actually do. Um, They or can they make do the... fall apart. That's why they're hiding because they're upset. <laughs> All right. So. On the Pokemon news, again, Pokemon has blessed us, my friends, with news like every week. Where was all this more? We get more tomorrow. We get more tomorrow. We're literally recording the night before they release some new ghost Pokemon. So if someone's like, why didn't they talk about the ghost Pokemon? I'm sorry we have a schedule. Um, Lila and I watched this frog thing be aired live, and she said she hated it. It has a name, and you will respect it. What is it again? I don't don't remember its name. Belly Bolt. Belly Bolt. That's a great name. Belly Bolt. Belly Bolt. Cool ability. Um, will be. I'll be interested to see how exactly it works and how much the boost is. Um, it's when it's hit by a move, it boosts electrical attacks for that turn. Um, so there's obviously like the bulldoze weakness policy strats. Well, it'll be maybe parabolic charge, which it resists. We'll have to see. I mean, it doesn't look like it's fast. If I had to guess, I'd say it's probably going to be slow and kind of bulky. Maybe a fun trick room addition. Maybe. Yeah. I could also see them doing something. I know there's a meme about it that was like every generation Pokemon makes. There's always like a blue, 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 blue who has a fascinating ability and move pool, but like the lovable mixed attacker with a bad speed stat and just base 480 BST. <laughs> This is the fun part of a new generation when we're getting all these new abilities and everyone's like, oh my god. You mean like Brus- Bruxish? <laughs> oh, I remember Bruxish. Bruxish. Bruxish would have actually been sick with Colossal. Honestly, though. It would have been, been really, really good. great. Well, Bruxish did good for like a day. I think it like, someone someone during, cut with during Bruxish. During Sun and Moon be- before uh, home transfer. Yeah, Bruxish did some things. It's a trick room, trick room attacker that blocks fake out and priorities. Like a very interesting, um, and it can set trick room. Ferrigaraf looks really cool though. Ferrigaraf will be here to stay. I love how people are already going. Yes, this is frog new all frog team. So people are now building all amphibian. When teams. do we get Ferrigaraf plush? That's what I need. That's probably gonna come out. If I were to hazard a guess, next March, April, maybe. Ugh, I want it for Christmas. 
uh, yeah, they're not good. I mean, you can't even get the starters for Christmas. Well, no, practically. they're on sale again. Really? Oh, that's the they thing. restocked because we we were getting them. We were getting them for the girls. Let it be known that the Pokemon Center can refill their stocks in the United States. One every the, once in a while. Once every seven years. Once every seven years. Man, it's one of the few things I truly miss about Japan. It's like, hey, can I get a plush? Sure, have six of them. We're going to charge you double, oh but gosh, yeah. There's stuff up here they didn't expect. Uh, the holiday Glaceons right there, the Spectre. So. Oh, yeah, they're starting to get the holiday stuff out of the way. It's funny because their Easter stuff goes on sale like at weird times, too. So it's like, yeah. I, I always love that because like when I lived in Japan, it's like, y'all don't know anything about Easter like at all. And yet you have all this great merch kudos i guess i mean well speaking does anyone know anything about easter (laughs) i mean i hope so (laughs) i hope so for me at least be really weird if i was this far in the game and i didn't learn anything speaking of flush did you see the 500 dollars altaria yes yes fluff fluff it's better than the it's better than the lucario like that one weirds me out (laughs) yeah no lucario is mm. you're gonna come back home and it's gonna be in a slightly different position oh stop i maintain go look through the photos because whoever takes the photos for this has the most fun with their job than anyone Uh. it's just altaria like stalking this woman through the house she's like playing the piano and it's just sitting behind her isn't that what altaria would do in real life it wants doesn't it hum I think it makes noise. It makes something. noise, but it looks creepy. I mean, in any case, we also got some other Pokemon news, though. Like, the, the, a bunch of the Pokemon streamers got, like, previews for, like, an hour or two. Even, like, Cerebi got it, which is pretty dope. Yeah, yeah, there's been some interesting... I won't I won't say any unofficial things, but there's been some reports from some streamers about interesting stuff. But I won't, I won't voice it on here just for the sake of any listeners that... I'm like super stoked for these games. I'm interested by the no trainer. Um, Don't fighting. say it. Don't like, say it. Well, that's official. Like that's an official thing that they put in the preview. Oh, okay. In the previews, it stated that hey, in this game, trainers do not bum rush you looking for a fight. You have to go up to them and then pick that fight. Because so- Lucas Pokemon has finally caught on to consent. I mean, I just kind of like the idea of now it's me with the red glowing eyes. Like, you. I choose you. Who are you looking at? Like, now I'm the hooligan. Now I'm the monster. So now you're just the 10-year-old running through the countryside challenging everyone you see to a fight. If anything, no. Like, no one gets any kind of, like, warning now. Now the random youngster on a lizard bike just pulls up on your block, scuffs your shoes, and, like, fight me. There's something that's very different about how the older generations when someone was like super cocky and challenged you and you threw out Pokemon God versus you running through the countryside throwing out Pokemon God being like, fight me, Rando. Yeah, when you put it that way, I feel that feels weird. Uh, what is some? I mean, we can see shinies on the overworld. Isn't that that's fun? That's easy enough. And we have learned that um, the auto battle mechanic, your Pokemon will not recognize shinies and will kill them on site like anything else. So that is a heads up. I'm sure we'll see plenty of posts of like, oh my god, I came back to my struggle fluff or whatever one of the new ones names will be <laughs> it's kind of like those um those pictures of like their cats the people's cats bringing them like birds because they let them outside and like oh no that was the rare species there's only two left this is just that lighthouse cat all over again that's what's gonna say is it the lighthouse cat <laughs> oh my god i mean there was some other cool stuff if you haven't gotten a chance to look Cerebi has it on their site like they have a pretty good one a bunch of other streamers got a chance to it from what they said, they said it's one of the most ambitious Pokemon games. To be fair, they said that about every Pokemon game. But 
I, I honestly am. I'm really happy that they're getting this preview. And even though Pokemon is giving us little little snippets of news, little tidbits, I'm pretty okay with that too. I'm just excited that it's like super multiplayer friendly though. Yeah, isn't that fun? I'm like, so excited to be playing with the girls. <laughs> I'm like so stoked. You're going to try and like go to the gym and like everyone's just like, no, I'm going to fight the giant crab. And the other one's like, no, I'm going to go fight the lady with the car, the tongue. No, we'll go do stuff together. That's not us. Your daughters are going to kill all the shinies in your world. <laughs> <laughs> Chloe, stop. <laughs> all right. So with all that out of the way. Wait, there's, there's your bears coming to Pokemon Go. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Teddy Ursa's community day, which means Ursaluna's coming to the game. Yay. Oh, what's the special move? Uh, high horsepower. Ooh. Yeah. But you can get a shiny Ursaluna, Lucas. But I heard I heard the high horsepower in Ursaluna is actually like really good, isn't it? Uh, I haven't seen how much energy it is, but it's 140 damage. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a nuke. So it's just a matter of what charge moves it has that can get it like if it's viable or not but okay it has it, it's it, damage wise it looks strong i don't i haven't seen what the energy generation or energy cost for it is got it again for me pogo at this point i found out like some of the super higher ups in my job play it so now i'm like hey y'all want to know what's coming next do they only play pogo and they don't know anything about the other games like hey you know scissor you know like scissor is the only thing scyther can evolve into and they're like what what tell me show me and i show them cleaver and like yo and so i'm basically just their guy on the inside because they just don't want to google it and it's like no yeah i know everything like literally everything like they're they're much better at pogo than i am but it's it's always fun to get a chance to talk with them about it all right madison you had one last thing for us to leave on i do i do and look i know we have non-american listeners and we know i know we have listeners who can't vote but even if i can just get you know one person to change their mind to vote like I feel like it's worth it to bring it up again. Like, you know, midterms are here uh, in the U.S. And honestly, in some states, this has had the highest midterm turnout uh, for um, pre-voter day participation than we've seen, like, essentially ever. (laughs) So it's a it's there's a lot on, you know, on the board here, everything from military funding for, you know, Ukraine to Social Security and Medicare, uh, apparently. You know, there's definitely one party wanting to cut that, (laughs) but not just to mention, you know, the attacks on the LGBT community, which as an LGBT person is pretty concerning. It's concerning because the bill that was introduced by the uh, members of a certain political group in the House, it, it implies things like limiting my ability to work in the career I've had. It's scary. And there's a lot of things that will be decided, everything from you know, voting rights to student loan forgiveness is a huge one. You know, if this election goes to one party, student loan forgiveness is gone. And that's scary because there are a lot of people that need that. So I just, I don't know. I implore you all to please get out and vote. You know, women's rights, LGBT rights, minority rights, you know, which includes holding up the voting act and it not being dismantled are all up for grabs this time. And it's, Honestly, this is not me trying to be an alarmist. This is actually scary. So please vote. I agree. It, honestly, one of the things you learn when you live in the United States is that, one, you don't you aren't forced to vote, which is something like my family's country, Brazil, does. And honestly, I think there have been a lot of papers coming out saying that a lot of people don't feel like their vote matters. Don't listen to that. Well, they wouldn't. No one would spend that much money convincing you your vote doesn't matter if it didn't matter. Go vote. Do it. <laughs> Do it. 
Sorry, do your research, then go vote. Don't be that guy who runs in and scribbles a bunch of things and then leaves just to show. Please, oh please. So with all that out of the way, thank you, Madison. Uh, let's go ahead and let's go to the interview. Chris, I am so excited because we finally got an interview with one of the coolest animal podcasts I've come run across. Uh, everybody, Ellen, Ellen, how are you doing? Hi, everybody. Hey, y'all. I'm really excited to talk to you. Hey, Ellen. Thanks for joining us. I, Lucas has been wanting this to happen for quite some time. So. I have, too. I am so excited. Like, a lot of times I mention Pokemon in our podcast, and I so rarely really get to drill in on it. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And, and you're so you've been playing Pokemon since you were a kid, too, right? Yes. Absolutely. What was your first game? Pokemon Gold. Okay. Which my grandmother got it for me for my purple transparent Game Boy Color. Uh, I was five years old and I could just like barely read. (laughs) 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 And my grandmother was a piano teacher. She still is. She's a piano teacher and had heard about Pokemon from a student of hers who told her that it was full of animals with magical powers and was like, oh, you like animals. You would probably enjoy this little Game Boy game. Um, And so like, you know how when you turn on uh, any Pokemon game, there's this like intro scene where they do like a little mm. cinematic at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So like that came on where in, in Pokemon Gold, it was like some Magikarp swimming in the water and it pans up and there's like a Lapras swimming and stuff. So like I didn't know that that wasn't the game yet. <laughs> so I was like, what do I do? How do I catch it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's great. And then you spent weeks start trying to catch that Lapras. <laughs> I didn't understand what I also couldn't really not read at that point. And so uh I have met people who have learned English through playing video games and Pokemon was one of the games they learned from. Absolutely. I really I absolutely went from like being barely literate to being above my grade level in like one summer of playing Pokemon. See, this is why I go at work saying, guys, video games can teach people just as much as anything else. Like, yes, yes, Lucas, go talk about the fish, which I do very well. So when you started The Zoo of Us, like you you clearly won one of the top animal podcasts out there. What is that? How do you even start with that? I guess I should start all the way at the beginning of starting the podcast. <laughs> so I kind of grew up listening to podcasts. Um, my my mom had like one of those original iPods that had the the buttons at the top. Like they, they had... Yeah, the horizontal <laughs> buttons. Yes. And, and the wheel separate. Yeah. Oh yeah, I had that too. Yeah. And so she, uh, it was, she was so excited about it. She was like, I have to show you this. This is the most amazing thing. On this little machine that i have here i can play radio shows like without turning on the radio you can listen to them whenever you want and i was like whoa so uh we listened to a lot of like npr podcasts right like this american life and radio lab and and i kind of grew up with those podcasts um i think i may have listened to every episode of this american life at this point which is a lot um that's an achievement yeah it's, so i kind of grew up with with npr podcasts and stuff like that eventually uh, as an adult, I was still listening to podcasts, but started to get into like 
McElroy podcast. I started listening to like My Brother, My Brother and Me, The Adventure Zone, stuff like that. And then that kind of brought me into this wider world of like more independently produced podcasts. And it was something that was just kind of getting me through the day at a job I hated. And, you know, just it really started to mean a lot to me. And Christian, and I, my, my husband, Christian, and I would listen to podcasts together and come together and talk about them at the end of the day and, and listen to them on road trips together and stuff. So eventually after a few years we were like we should try it like this seems fun and like something we could just do as like a learning experience basically just like learn a new skill you know like see what it's like see how it feels just we really thought it was going to be the sort of thing we'd maybe make like five or six episodes and then call it a day at that point and then when it was time to like we were like oh we want to make a podcast what do we want to make it about and I've just never been able to shut up about animals like it's just kind of been an ongoing like overarching theme of my life so it seemed like a very logical intersection of those two things For me, it's been one of those things. I was similar. I grew up with these video games. My family doesn't actually like nature that much. My One of the first things I'll ever remember my mom telling me when we went to Brazil to visit family, when I asked, hey, mom, what happened to all the animals? She looked at me straight in the face and said, we killed them to build the city. Oh, well. I mean, it's, it's that accurate. That's not how I would have phrased it. But... Yeah, my mom's a loving, <laughs> wonderful woman. But when it comes to nature, it's not like this is not something our family does. To a, to the average Brazilian, camping is something you do when you don't have the money for a hotel. But for me, it was Pokemon that got me into animals. And from there, you know, the wildlife books and like the, the Ripley's Believe It or Not. And turns out I couldn't shut up. And so I just took it. It's a, you know what? I'm going to start talking about animals for a living. And that kind of worked out and. Eventually, I realized that I could do that for real with Pokemon and science, and hence the podcast, the panels, a couple of other things here and there. But yeah, I, I like seeing that someone else came out there was like, you know what? No, I won't shut up. You shut up and listen to me talk. How about that? <laughs> well, it seems to work out, you know, because I, it, it gives me an outlet, right? So I can kind of let off some of my steam, get out some of that pent up info dumping so that I just make it other people's problem. And you don't have to worry about hearing them talk to you because it's one way communication. One way. We love baby. all of our listeners. <laughs> I We do love, we have some pretty engaged listeners. I, I, I never can bring it up, but sometimes we get paragraphs about why we could improve. Not that we're wrong. But hey, hey, here's my thought for this. And I'm like, yo, this is really in-depth. There's no way we can bring this up on an episode because it's really long. But I respect you for this. Well, we have like really super engaged like listeners and followers that hang out with us on social media. And I almost feel like that has been the most like fulfilling and life-changing part of it is just like the people I've gotten to know who have either connected with us on social media or like listened to the podcast and got in touch. Um, It's been definitely incredible. Like we have a discord server where we're at the point now where like folks are just chit chatting about life. Right. Like sometimes it's not even about animals. People are just like, you know, talking about their day and, and connecting with each other and making friends and, and, it's that is probably the most fulfilling part about it, I think, is is connecting with the people who share that passion. What is like your big hope for your podcast? If anything else can be accomplished, like what is the thing you want most people to get from you? What do you do? I think that the thing that makes me the happiest when people like reach out to me and and 
give me feedback is when people take steps in their life to like improve their actual relationship with nature, right? So you hear a lot about kids who are super passionate about animals and then you get older and that's not maybe a, an interest that's encouraged in later adolescence and adulthood, right? Because it's kind of seen as like a for kids sort of thing. Um, and then you grow out of it and then you just kind of forget about it. But I think the thing that makes me the happiest is when people tell me, hey, I forgot that I love animals and that I listened to the podcast and I remember that I love animals and maybe people will, you know, decide to start going for nature walks or sometimes people have reached out to let me know that they changed their major <laughs> and are like pursuing a career in wildlife and, and ecology. And I think that is the thing that feels the most like impactful to me the where I'm like, I did the right thing. Like this was the right thing to do. And I'm glad that I did it. And it was worth all the hard work because it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> I had a very similar experience uh, with, with this, with our podcast, because I was a listener to it before I joined on as a host and like it kind of reignited that sort of love. No, it wasn't animals. It was Pokemon, but like it sort of reignited that love that I had kind of lost you know, circa middle school, high school. And, you know, now it's a bunch of grown adults talking for Pokemon every, talking about Pokemon for an hour every week. And it's just one of those things, like being an adult, I feel like I like became an adult when I realized that like, you can like the things you like, and there's, you know, you don't have to feel bad about those things. Kill the part of you that cringes. Yeah. Not the part of you that's cringe. Oh, I like that. Put that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> don't credit you, me with that i saw it on twitter and then if you stop loving it that's totally fine but do it because you chose not to not because other people told you to mm -hmm. right yeah own it and it, it's kind of i don't know almost like healing you know especially if like if you were a kid that got made fun of for liking pokemon it's very validating to find other adults who are like yes pokemon actually rules <laughs> let's talk about it without being embarrassed <laughs> it's enjoy yourself there's life's too short to be embarrassed by that sort of stuff and it's honestly one of the best messages we ever got were people like going yo you inspired me to take this career path and like that's like i i, I made this thing to vent i didn't expect someone to actually mm -hmm. like yo i want to get into ecology because you taught me that pokemon is a great analog for life or like i've had right for dragon con we had an educator like hey your talk on paleo pokemon is pretty cool can we incorporate this into my classroom and that's that means the world to me i want people to learn and my biggest belief is that pokemon is the most underrated teaching tool in the world yeah i i have for sure like learned some legitimate like things about zoology and ecology through like playing pokemon games and then being like huh i wonder what that's about and then you like google it and look into it and you're like oh my gosh it's real <laughs> So obviously you have, last I counted, you have over 160 episodes of y'all talking about awesome critters. Keep in mind, you have, how many species of animal are there? A lot. You have a lot more to go. <laughs> more than 160. Oh, God. <laughs> what is the most amazing, weird fact about an animal that you picked up? Um. Okay. So we're constantly, I feel like every episode there's something that I'm like, huh, either I'd never thought about it or like it was just something that had never crossed my, you know, radar. And the thing that really kind of came to mind was something that uh, a guest told me recently during the episode that we did on assassin bugs. 
And the guest was Elon Domnich, who is extremely passionate about assassin bugs. He's a an educator up in Canada and works like at a museum showing kids these really cool bugs and is just so passionate about it. And that interview lasted like two hours and I edited it after editing it down it was still an hour and a half because I just could not find stuff to take out like there was nothing in there that I was like oh I can get rid of like everything in there was so fascinating that I was like I can't I have to leave this um and the thing in that that I just really that still kind of sticks with me is that assassin bugs uh, do this really brutal like medieval wa- warfare sort of thing where they will take uh, so assassin bugs prey on ants and ants you know live in a colony where they kind of have strength in numbers so what the assassin bug will do to prey on the ants is pick up dead ants and just slap them on its body and affix the dead ant corpses to itself to basically camouflage itself amongst the ants because it now it looks and smells like the ants so the ants see it as one of their own and allow it into their colony and it can infiltrate their colony and eat them from the inside and that i think about that every day <laughs> it's it's what it's it also cracks me up because looking at photos of it it doesn't even look like it's trying <laughs> like it's just kind of like a a, a like mindless pile of bugs and the other ants are like yeah that's cool yeah ants are not it's it's incredible because as a unit as a crowd they can pull off feats of engineering that are mind-boggling they have like agriculture and air conditioning and like complex societal roles and stuff like that but each individual ant is so dumb like every ant is so stupid like barely a thought right so it's 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 (laughs) mind-blowing i've often said that durant is one of the worst pokemon because it's like just an ant they could have done a lot with that i think i hope they do more ants we actually got assassin bugs brought up recently because people were saying that would make a cool pokemon i'm like what like that would be amazing, but it it really terrifying. would. There should be more. Like I think Durant, I think is maybe based on the Saharan silver ant because it has that sort of like shiny coating on it. But I do wish there was more. Like I I think they could go in a direction that they went with like phalanx and have like an ant colony Pokemon. That would be so cool. Yeah. Like a wishy-washy sort of like thing where like the all of the individual ants can come together to form like a colony that is capable of a lot more than the individual. Yeah, I think they could do some really cool stuff with ants. Big ant. I Big think ant. <laughs> that would be fun as well. for us. We considered at one point like, okay, but what if you had a worker Durant and a soldier Durant and a queen Durant? Like just kind of oh, yeah. like you've only ever seen like the worker Durant or the warrior Durant because that's the one that leads the colony. But at the game progresses, like, oh, when you go deeper in, you find these other Durants that are doing their thing. And they yeah. each have different stats. Like, there's a lot of things you can do because ants, even on their own, like, are wild. But, like, again, then also, oh, wait, this one makes slaves out of other ants. This ant literally explodes. This ant has metal built into its fangs to cut through leaves. Like, they're, they're the coolest animals. And yet assassin bugs eat them. It's great. 
and the assassin bug Pokemon is going to be wild when it comes out because it's just going to be stacking Durant's on its body. <laughs> <laughs> You're just walking through the forest and you just see like through the tall grass, just a tower of Durant corpses and you just walk the other way. Just no. I just, it's funny, this this episode is going up this week, so it hasn't actually gone up yet. But um, I did a, I recorded a, a on wasps with an entomologist who studies wasps named uh, Johanna Schwartz. And we were talking about, you know, wasps that basically counter everything. Like there's a wasp for everything. Like I, I think she said that there is believed to be a type of wasp that specializes on parasitizing every species of insect that like for each species of insect, there is a wasp that parasitizes them. I've heard of that. So like, a, let's yeah. do some more with wasps. <laughs> There's a study that talked about how there might be more parasitic wasps than there are beetles, like possibly. And that was one of those like, well, hold on now. Even if that's half that number, that's too much. That's a lot of wasps. That's a lot of wasps. I don't want that. Although the other article I found, what was it that they can make beer with them? Oh, yeah. Uh, So some scientists at NC State have been using uh, the yeast from paper wasps to uh, make beer. Wow, that's cool. Because it, it's all about like wild yeast and all that. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It's the one way to make people like wasps. Like, hey guys, they make beer. <laughs> I think it's the wasps world. We're just living in it. Yeah, I mean, again, it's one of those, they're one of those insects that like no one likes. And it's weird because like they're so cool. Yeah, they can sting, but like they're so good at what they do. It's wild. Well, lots of things are good at what they do, and I don't want them anywhere near me. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, if you can come to terms with them and come to an agreement of sorts, they will actually act as pest control for you, right? So, like, we have um, cuckoo wasps and ichneumonid wasps, like, around our house that when I see them, I let them go because I know that the more of them there are, the fewer like yellow jackets there are because that's what they are parasitizing. And so they're going to act as natural pest control for the meaner wasps <laughs> that I'm more worried about. So, uh, I mean, like, I'll, I think a lot of what I've learned like through making the podcast has been like to think twice about the relationship that I have with the animals around me. Like actually literally like maybe one or two hours ago, um, there was a cockroach in my living room and I screamed very loud. (laughs) And, and my first instinct and the first thing I did was to go pick up a shoe to smash the cockroach with. Um, And then I kind of thought about it for a second. I was like, I don't, think I need to do that and instead I went and caught a broom and I just scooted the little cockroach out the back door and he scuttled just kind of scuttled away peacefully no gave me no problem and I was like you know what I don't think I would have done that a couple of years ago like even just taking a moment to think you know what is this something that can be resolved a different way it's it's been a real uh a real mind shift I suppose there's like lots of things have places in the world. I would prefer if those places were not near me. Oh, certainly. <laughs> but but you're absolutely right. Like, we oh, had, I removed we... him from my home. Make no mistake. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you shall not be here. <laughs> we had a guest, uh, an entomologist who deals with spiders, and he talks a lot about you know spiders are here to do a job, and they're not here to mess with you. Uh, just like let them be in their space. 
No, they want no beef with you. No beef. I'm a big fan of the fact that the cockroach Pokemon we have is beautiful. Ferramosa, she's a stunner. She's gorgeous, and she's a cockroach. She's out here in the Met Gala look 24-7. She's on the runway every second. Obsessed. She's so good. And she's running in heels. Hey, look at that. She is running in heels. Look at her go. (laughs) She's incredible. I love her. And icon. I didn't realize. I didn't realize that. Take that, Jurassic World. All right. So before we get to the Pokemon stuff, there are going to be people who want to know where to start. And I I would look through your website and you literally have a section on where to start. I do. Because a lot of times people, uh, I think, maybe think that they need to start with the first episode. Um, And I want to make it abundantly clear that not only do you not have to do that, but I personally would prefer that you not do that because, you know, when we started this podcast, we had never recorded before. We were using very cheap microphones that we did not know how to use properly. Uh, It was rough. It didn't sound good. (laughs) And I, you know, it was a real work in progress. I think it took a good while for us to get into the swing of things. So, um, you know, I, I want to kind of let people know like you do not have to muscle through those first uh rough episodes i highly encourage people to jump in wherever they want every episode is made to be you know jumped in to if you've never heard it before that's why we repeat things so often because we have to be like okay if you're new if you haven't listened then you may not know this so um but if somebody, uh, you know, is just like feeling choice paralysis and needs a, a pointer, if you're looking at it, you're like, oh, my gosh, you've done a billion gazillion animals. I don't know where to start. Um, my personal favorite episode that we've ever done was this uh, episode 64, where we did um, the my husband covered the whale shark and I covered the emu. And that episode was just so fun. It was, we learned so much like incredible, fascinating things. Um, Whale sharks. We have a lot of like really fond memories of whale sharks, like seeing them in the Georgia Aquarium together. Uh, Emus are hilarious. (laughs) Like there's, there's nothing uninteresting about emus. And so, I don't know. I feel like that's a great one to start with. I even re-aired it like a few months ago um, because it's just, I feel like it's a good, uh, I feel like it's a good entry point. That's awesome. I need to definitely, you have such a cattle. I get the choice paralysis. So I'm like, uh, more. I can't just go back to horseshoe crabs. That's all I love. <laughs> I, I can't blame you. I'm a completionist on things. And so I, I started the most recent and just listened to them chronologically backwards. That is, that is good. That will work because then you see what we're capable of, right? Like, the newest stuff you're like okay this is the end product right whereas if you start with episode one it's not a great first impression (laughs) but i I will from from a creator standpoint it's i find it like it's kind of incredible to have this like chronology of your growth that's true you know like that's that's uh, that's very special you're right i'll never go back and listen to it i i mean it not for me (laughs) but for somebody i'm sure (laughs) but it's there it's there if you ever want to see it like there's just a it's just a a perfect little stream of how you've grown as as a podcaster (laughs) ever the optimist (laughs) (laughs) that's our chris all right so we brought you here for some fun let's go ahead and roll into the pokemon stuff 
So for all of our listeners here, we gave Ellen a task. We want her to talk about four of the animals she talked about on her program and which one they should be Pokemon. And after that, we have a little surprise for that. But this is the main part, y'all. So, Ellen, the floor is yours. What do you got for us? Okay, number one, straight out the gate. I believe it is a crime, an actual federal crime, that there hasn't yet been a Capybara Pokemon. Oh, yes. No, this forget federal. This is going up into the international UN court. You know, the one for war criminals? Like, no, we're bringing it to them. This is Geneva, the Hague, for, for whoever hasn't made a Pokemon of the Capybara yet, because it's just so perfect. It's shaped like a friend. It is, it, it looks like a Pokemon already. I think, I think it would make a perfect, like Bidoof kind of like early game. Maybe it's one of the first wild Pokemon you encounter. It would obviously be water and normal type. Um, Maybe like something, although I actually think that the Capybara would make a great evolution for a guinea pig Pokemon. So maybe like the first Pokemon, like first wild Pokemon you encounter in the game is a little normal type guinea pig based Pokemon. So you get your little rodent right out the gate and then it evolves into this like water normal type Capybara because the Capybara is pretty closely related to a guinea pig it's just a guinea big so like i I think you You had to (laughs) i think there's i think you could really do a lot with that as like a a great like early game pokemon and they can and well and there have been a lot broader leaps in evolution in pokemon than guinea pig to capybara they're right there uh, the only other name you can call for a guinea pig is a copy barely. <laughs> I've seen people one. call the little ones baby barras. They, oh, those are good. I have had the good fortune of seeing copy barras in the wild. Like it has been one of the coolest <gasps> experiences. I can tell you they are not that calm. They are not that <laughs> calm. I, I was walking, me and my brother, we went to university in Brazil for a year and we're walking around this lake. And we hear the splashing and we look and they see the capybaras. Capybaras see us and they run like heck. They do not want to be anywhere near us. They are not that calm in the wild all the time. <laughs> they don't want to be your friend. Oh, oh. They'll go be friends with the crocodiles, right? Like you see them chilling out with the turtles and the crocodiles. Yeah. But like, a human weird. comes along, they're like, eh, no. No, absolutely not. It's uh, interesting, too, because as you said, it is a crime. And in part because Japanese people love capybaras. They Love them. I know you have them. Like, I know you have them. I've seen them in the springs with the little lemons on their head. I know you've got them. They imported them. They brought them there to be in their shrines and whatnot. Do you want to understand how Shinto a capybara is? Zero. And they did it anyway. Because they can. I'm like, you guys clearly know what it is. This is intentional at this point. Like, this is ridiculous. They're waiting for... It's going to be the 1,000th Pokemon. (laughs) That's what they're waiting on. For the last Pokemon. Hup. Just just holding it over its head. (laughs) It's such a... And that's a great Pokemon to start with because it would be an amazing starting rodent to have. And I love the idea of, like, the guinea pig evolution because we've never thought of that. Like, that's such a fun idea because guinea pigs are also sociable. They need to hang out together. And so it'd be really cool to have like a herd of guinea pig Pokemon evolve into a herd of Capybara Pokemon. You keep that social rodent dynamic. And that's such a nice idea. I've never even, that's so cool. I would love that. 
obviously yeah, we'd have to I think keep that'd the be stats adorable. low. We have to keep the stats low. He can't be too perfect. No, this is a Pokemon that you play with because it's cute and you like it. This is not gonna be this is gonna not gonna be a um an Uber. You know, this is not gonna be your competitive lineup Pokemon. This is a merchandise mon. <laughs> this is the Pokemon that raises from didn't they already make one hundred eighteen billion dollars a year? This raises it to one hundred and nineteen billion dollars a year. I'd buy it. I feel like that's what they wanted to do with Lechonk. Like when Lechonk was announced, it's like, yep, let me add a couple. Let me add another billion to that number there, friend. Let's get that up there. I love that thing. <laughs> I do have another animal that I would pitch as a Pokemon that I think would probably uh, absolutely clean house in the merchandise department. Well, go yes. on. And that is the manatee. Yeah. Like, as a Floridian, I have to suggest a manatee Pokemon because this is our icon, right? Like, this is our baby. And if there was a manatee Pokemon, Pokemon sales in Florida would skyrocket. Darn tootin'. I mean, out of the podcast, two of the four people who record with us are Floridian, including myself. I have, I worked for a manatee viewing center for three years. I have seen literally thousands of manatees. I want one in the game, please. Just one. Just one. One. It's all we I need. know you can do it. And I think, I do think that it would have to be like a single stage Pokemon. Like it would have to be like a Lapras kind of, you know, like a, just the one and that's it. Because, you know, manatees are huge and they're not super close to any other animals around them. So like, unless you wanted to do like a baby manatee evolving into like a bigger manatee, but like they have a very simple sort of anatomy i don't feel like there's a lot you could maybe do with that um other than just it would make a perfect like tank though oh yeah if it was clear that it was meant to be like if they if they like you know toned it down to gray maybe gave it some oh you know what would be cool if they gave it some like algae like some green markings to indicate the algae. If they, this would maybe be a little bit dark, but if they maybe gave it stripes on its back, oh. like that would be a little much, but you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, museums and aquariums sell like toy manatees that have scars on their backs. So I don't know. I, I think Pokemon could do that. After dead Corsola Pokemon, nothing is off limits. We can do what we like, want. Clearly they're cool with you know doing some pretty haunting things yeah no they're they're fine with it like the fact that they made a crown of thorns sea star that keeps trying to eat corsolas and jet well it's like yeah you know we can do whatever we want we're good you guys are monsters we're monsters too i have i've always wanted a manatee pokemon as well and i think it would really stick it to my dolphin loving co-workers if a manatee came before a bobblenose it, it is pretty astounding that there's not a bottlenose, not only that there's not a bottlenose dolphin Pokemon yet, but also that I didn't put it on my list. <laughs> no, you're a Floridian. You're a true Floridian. The fake ones choose dolphin. Manatees come first. <laughs> Real ones go manatee. That's how it's done. Oh, God. No, I would. I think uh, water grass, pretty good typing. Yeah, water grass would be good if they, if it, ooh, you know what that makes me think of? If they did like a thing where they made the algae on its back into like a really cool like garden, oh. like if it was floating around with like a little garden on its back. I know that's a little close to what we've already got with like Torterra, but if you had a manatee that was like a water type that's just floating around with a little garden. That reminds me of Sargassum, like the Sargassum floats that happen out in the Atlantic. Right. That'd be really cool to combine that where it's like a micro ecosystem for like small animals. Like 
explaining like, oh yeah, the, all these Pokemon come and feed off their back and it doesn't mind. And with the new direction of the games, with like the RPGs having a lot more like sophisticated overworld mechanics, I think that would there would be a cool opportunity for you to like there to be floating manatee Pokemon that you could like jump on their backs. <laughs> I think we want to discourage people from doing that. Yes, don't do that in real life. But like, we're also don't like capture and make wildlife fight each other. So I think we're already okay, suspending right. some disbelief. <laughs> yeah, we're already there. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask for the typing if you would consider like a wa- either water fighting or even water dark as the version of the manatee that just got so tired of humans messing with it that it fought back. <laughs> water dark would be great. I would love that. I don't know about water fighting because I don't, I can't, I just, knowing manatees so well, I cannot imagine a single part of them that is going to put up a fight. At the same time, I, I've watched manatees get pretty upset. Um, so... When you work at the Manatee Viewing Center, you occasionally see a Florida Fish and Wildlife show up and they have to tag the manatees or get blood samples. The only way to get through their skin is basically with a big pole and a sticky thing at the front. So you have to basically stick them really, really hard to get it. The second you stick a manatee, they flip out and they go, they splash, they go crazy. And it's the only way to get their blood. It's the only way to get the DNA sample. So, so it's literally just for a whole day. You see a couple guys on a flat boat with no engine just all right we got the blood back away before they flip the boat like they're tough oh, they're... poor babies yeah it's for their own good though also they're like only six percent body fat and the rest of it is bone and intestine it's one of my favorite jokes <laughs> i used to tell people is like no matter how hard you go to the gym you will never have peak manatee physique they are the <laughs> snorlax of the sea yeah oh god that would be oh regional yeah. snorlax is a manatee Ooh, i would love that it's that normal water just floats around that would be so cool i would, that would love be that cool. it would have like the same snorlax face just mm-hmm. like on a manatee body That'd oh be i could make that with like photoshop in five minutes that would be great this is easy <laughs> if you wanted to go like taxonomically though it would have to be a relative of like donfin yeah or, like Copperaja, maybe but like i don't know but but i don't know you could maybe do that but i think pokemon is already cool with you know saying you know t- telling taxonomy to kick rocks so <laughs> a little we bit do what we want here but a, a little bit yeah it's okay. got to be the manatee though All i won't right. rest yeah no well i'll be it's, girl i'm here with you i'm right <laughs> you here the, the floridian stand <laughs> well actually we sit in our little folded chairs but we're, we stand emotionally I would love, I know this will never happen in a billion years, but if there was a Florida themed region, I think our starters would be uh, based on the manatee, the alligator, and the Florida panther. And I think that would rule. Oh, great. Another cat starter. What a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) I think what you've described is actually the region that Buzzswole is from. Oh, that. Buzzswole is just like, no, what, what, the, the Rattata is just Buzzswole in this generation. Yeah. <laughs> you just keep running into Buzzswole. Like, what's going on here? What happened to Rattata? It just keeps, it just keeps grunting every time you ask it a question. It doesn't even make a cry. It just grunts. <laughs> that is a much more realistic uh, Florida experience. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So what else have you got for us? Okay. Yeah, I have two more. One of them is, uh, I think there should be a fossil Pokemon of the Dodo. 
which we literally just did an episode on like two weeks ago, I think. Chris, um, how come we've been doing this for five years and we've never really mentioned the dodo in any regard? I don't know. This is like... Because, I mean, it's not an animal you ever have to think about. They're not here. You don't have to think about them. <laughs> and like, I, I think they're in that sweet spot between being like, yes, they're extinct, but also they're not like the big, cool, intimidating dinosaur. You know, like there are no T-Rex, right? So they don't get taken super seriously. Um, but I think it would be great if there was a fossil Pokemon based on the Dodo, because I think it would be really cool if it was like a, um, a ground type. Cause it's, you know, like a flightless bird. Um, you could maybe take some cues from like Dodrio maybe, except I know Dodrio is a flying type and can fly and stuff, which is weird cause it has no wings, but <laughs> like, uh, you know, you could do like a, like a ground type Dodo that has like a lot of reckless attack style or something like that. We can literally give it the ability reckless. Yeah. I, yeah. I think there's a lot you could do with the Dodo. And like the Dodo already looks ridiculous. So like you don't have to do too much to it to make it look very silly. I would love to see it Um, when they first, like when you first break it out of the fossil, it's literally just the beak and the eyes sticking out of an egg with the two legs, like just jutting down from it. Oh, like the vulture. What is it? Vullaby? Yeah. Vullaby. Yeah. Instead of a sitting in a skull, it's just sitting inside of it's a little egg and just like, Bleh! and it's just running. And like when you, <laughs> when you get it from a fossil, literally its ability is just run away. Like it just it just doesn't want to fight. It's just literally it. Wow, we brought this fossil. And why is it running towards the door? Just learning the pattern of little feet oh, as it no. just runs away from you. <laughs> but I think that's such a cool idea, especially. I think it would be the first fossil Pokemon you could say that was taken down by humans, because that would be interesting. Right. Pokemon has not shied away from things like Sharpedo, saying like they've killed a lot of them for their fins. They have not shied away from talking about pollution. Did Lapras go extinct from humans or almost go extinct from humans or was it just almost going extinct? I believe Lapras was like critically endangered. And now it's overpopulated according to the Apokedex. <laughs> yeah, it was a real conservation success story. Yeah. And again, like overpopulated, I'm like, oh, oh, that might be a problem down the line. Uh oh. <laughs> Too bad. But I think the Dodo would be such a cool one too. You could put it in the decks of like, oh yeah, no, people. Just re when they first came to this land, people ate all of them and they died. And so like, yeah. oops, which was kind of what happened to the dodo. Bad. Yeah. Oops. They were slow, dumb and delicious. And we ate them all, which is almost the same story as the Galapagos tortoise, because they almost went out the same way. In the culinary world, Lucas, that's what we call the trifecta. <laughs> Shut up. You can't be all three. You got to have one base covered. <laughs> if you're all three, you're extinct. <laughs> All right. <laughs> What's your last one? The last Pokemon you brought for us. Last one. I really, I, I almost don't feel confident saying that there's not a Pokemon of it already. Cause I feel like there must be, but I looked and I couldn't find one. It's the Bombardier Beetle. No, there isn't one. We've talked about right? this in the past. Like there's so like, what do you mean? You didn't pick the bug that uses chemical warfare in real life. It already it does the it does it in real life. It's already using flamethrower. Like already, I, I don't I don't see what like what's not connecting. <laughs> like what is it too obvious? Is that it? Do you need another cat? <laughs> How about a monkey? Is that it? Did that that did that do it for you, Pokemon? 
We didn't have enough squirrels. Oh, God. No, I mean, we just mentioned the rodent the first thing, but do you really need one more rodent? Like, I'll be honest, I would switch a copy. I would take the Bombardier Beetle over the Capybara at this time. It feels like writing a wrong. Yeah. Beetles are very underrepresented, I think. Which is weird because in nature, it's the opposite. They're everywhere. <laughs> there is an inordinate fondness for beetles. Yes. Oh, I love that quote. God has an inordinate, inordinate <laughs> love of beetles. I love that quote. It's so true. That and wasps. He likes wasps too, apparently. Great it's, taste. Imagine. Yeah, no, good. Solid, solid. Okay, so <laughs> what would you type this thing as? I mean, it's got to be bug fire. I yeah, think like fair. bug and or maybe if you wanted to really lean into it, bug dragon, oh, like I do like a bug dragon. Um, I think there's some opportunity there. You would, I think because we've already seen a bug inspired dragon with Flygon. So yeah. like there's precedent already for incorporating some bug elements into a dragon. I think if they really, I mean, but the antlion does lend itself pretty well to the dragon similarities. So it was already putting in a lot of work for them. And so the uh, having like a beetle dragon may be a little more anatomically challenging, but there's like potential there for it being like a fire breathing beetle dragon, which I think would be really cool. Have you ever seen starship troopers? No, <laughs> sorry. So, there are giant bug monsters in that one, and one of them is a giant beetle that shoots flames out the front of it. It's quite gruesome, <laughs> but that's how I imagine it, like just shooting flames from the front. Also, there's a lovely ability that kind of lets us do whatever we want called Steelworker in Delmise that basically says, hey, you're not a steel type, but uh, have some steel type stab and just, you know, have that. You got it. Basically, you can use whatever steel move you want with the spike. We can make that for a fire type. We can do that with a fire type. Mm. We can make this thing dragon and bug and give it fire type stab. There you go. Yeah, we can work around it. Now we're cooking with gas. Yeah. We also, um, recently we came up with the idea that if Delmize were to evolve, it would just take over a whole ship. Like, just like, (laughs) like, no, it's just the algae is too great. Yeah, it's the it's the Davy Jones ship from Pirates of the Caribbean. Exactly. Part of the ship, part of the crew. There's an artillery just sitting on the top of it. Like, no, no, he's just, <laughs> <laughs> he's not the captain, but he makes for good ornamentation. I feel like there would be a lot of good, like, uh, I, there would be some interesting, I mean, flavor text wise at least, like synergy with like Hone Edge and Aegislash and stuff. Like, you could have like a pirate, like a ghost pirate armory, on a big ship. Like a possessed cutlass. Pirate ship. You could probably make a ghost pirate team somehow, some way. I would do it. That'd be awesome. All right. So we've gotten through your Pokemon, but for anyone who has not listened to just the zoo of us before, y'all rate your animals, right? Yeah, that's our whole deal. (laughs) We review them uh, by rating them out of 10 in different categories. Do the categories stay for the same or are you changing them per animal? They're constant. So it's always physical adaptations, behavioral adaptations, and aesthetics. Okay. So we each brought Pokemon to talk about. We're going to throw them at you and we want your your expertise on what you consider for them. I have to say my expertise as far as like gameplay wise 
uh, is going to be pretty limited because while I have played every single Pokemon game, some more than others, uh, for some of them, it's been a while. So that's, to- that's totally fine. Totally fine. I'm no, also we're- a complete casual. Like I don't, I don't play competitively. It's going to mostly be based on vibes. That's what we're looking for. Well, no, we don't need, like we have competitive. We have Don. He's terrifying. He's great. <laughs> all right all right i'm ready though okay okay i'm gonna start off with a fun one. Oh boy floatzel floatzel is interesting okay so i do like floatzel um because floatzel is like otter like right it's a river otter Mm -hmm. and yeah and the thing that kind of gets me about floatzel is that i don't love the inner tube that it has (laughs) i actually am not crazy about that like i don't love that it has an unremovable accessory you know what i mean um not practical in every situation right and also it looks kind of devious like which i know is very consistent with how river otters are they're a menace I've I've witnessed otter crimes. What? No, no, hold up, hold up. What otter crimes have you witnessed? Our viewers need to know. They don't listen to us. <laughs> this is okay. So like I was at the zoo and our zoo has this really cute exhibit for Asian small clawed otters. And um it's got this really adorable little like uh you know rocky stream that flows through their exhibit that they love to play in and i was watching these otters all just like tumbling around and squeaking and having a great time and this one otter was playing with a rock where it would pick up this rock and bring it up to the edge of the stream and then roll it down the stream and the rock would tumble down fall into the water and then the otter would go back down in the water pick it up bring it back up to the top and do the whole thing over again so it's kind of just like rolling this rock down into the stream i was like isn't that the cutest little thing the otter is playing and having a great time and then the rock fell back into the water one time after the otter had been doing this for a long time the rock fell into the water and sprouted legs and started trying to swim away and i realized that it wasn't a rock it was a frog Oh, it was a live frog that was trying desperately to escape this otter. And every time the frog fell into the water, it would try to swim away. The otter would run in, pick it up, bring it back up to the top, like Sisyphean sort of like this otter is just torturing this poor frog and was just like having the time of his life there. See, people will finally listen. Stop trying to get otters with pets, please. (laughs) We had to bring Ellen from the zoo of us to explain this to you people. Stop it. Which I had to see this with my eyes because they're so cute that you don't want to believe that they're like that, but they are. Otter crimes, man. Law and order, otter crimes unit. They weren't even hungry. They'd just been fed, right? This was not like a, oh, they're like practicing hunting or something. The otter was just enjoying torturing this frog yeah it's not it's not great okay but floatzel wise if i'm gonna uh, do, do you want like an out of 10 yeah sort of thing for me yeah i'm gonna give it a seven okay out of 10 uh i do i almost feel like the inner tube is implying that the first of all i don't like the implication that an otter needs an inner tube to float they don't <laughs> 
they don't need the inner tube um but also like it kind of forces the otter onto its back which is consistent with a sea otter but not a river otter um which like we already have a sea otter with like oshawott uh but yeah i mean float i i would like to see more river otter designs um and i would like also like to see them be cuter (laughs) Does it make you feel better or worse that it's not necessarily a tube, but that the game calls it a flotation sack? Oh, I don't like that word. Worse. Uh, oh. Five out of ten, actually, I think. Oh. <laughs> it's going to lose a little bit. Uh, the no, word sack nothing. drops the points. Yeah, it does. I don't like a sack. That's oh, not I don't great. like that word. No. Like how people can't hear the makes... word like moist. Like, I oh, know I work in an aquarium, so I can say it. It's fine. But like everyone else, like, oh, mm, no. No. Well, because then it makes me think that must imply that they can deflate the sack. Oh, and then it's just flapping around. It's just loose skin around. No, absolutely not. Hard pass. Hard no. Hard no. (laughs) Absolutely not. Okay. I have to do mine, and it's expected of me. So let's get it out of the way. Let's go, Magikarp. Let's go. It is me. So That's what I do. I, I'm. It's funny. I don't. I don't like Magikarp's aesthetic. I. I don't like the giant beady eyes. Like I don't like the big soulless, emotionless eyes. And I don't like that the mouth is permanently open. Like you can like see it closed sometimes, but the mouth is open like a vast majority of the time. Which I get it. That's what the carp and is like. Um, but it's what I don't like about the carp. this is her i'm feeling hurt i feel attacked but in a good way so yeah but then when it evolves into gyarados it retains the features i didn't like about magikarp (laughs) now but now it'll talk back to you but now it's mean and angry (laughs) so you know magikarp of course like has a kind of a special place and i think any buddy's heart that grew up with pokemon right because it's like the it's a story of payoff right like it's a story of you grind and you put in a lot of work and then you're rewarded with this big cool awesome pokemon but that being said i i got into the game with gold version where you're kind of given a gyarados at some point yeah they give you a red one so i you get to skip magikarp (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> also with you have, you have to remember too of red and blue like that was very like pre-internet heyday so that was like some kid who just got a magikarp and was like liked it enough to carry it around with him enough to then level it up and evolve it yeah there's a lot to be said for like pre i mean i know that there were like strategy guides and stuff out where people you could read you know what would happen or if you watch the anime right like if you watch the anime you would know that magikarp evolves into a gyarados and that all you have to do is you know but but magikarp is intended to suck right like it's it's specifically engineered to not be a desirable pokemon to have with you because it's kind of like a you know it's like a hidden treat it's like a, oh it's a it's a it's a hidden achievement a little trophy that you get for putting up with magic <laughs> <laughs> and lucas is over here like y'all are paying me to do this i do this for free <laughs> <laughs> Magikarp has appeal as an underdog for sure. I do. Oh, you know what? I like Gyarados's 
is it mega evolution? Yeah, it turns into a giant shrimp. I kind of like it, though. It's kind of cool. Typical Floridian going for the giant shrimp. Maybe it's the familiarity of it that I'm like, yeah, that is pretty good, actually. Um, So I don't know. I I think I like what Magikarp stands for. It's not going to get a lot of aesthetics points from me because I just I'm not I'm not a big fan of the eye situation that it has going on. So I think just like as an icon, I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. Okay, I can I can settle with that. That's good. That that feels that feels all right. I know my my son is my son is likely listening to this because he told me that he would, and, <laughs> and he finds Magikarp hilarious. You know, like he is he is a big fan of any like YouTube video that involves a Magikarp taking down an unexpectedly powerful opponent. So, oh, I think are, I my mean, kid likes Magikarp. I'm the one who cosplays as a Magikarp in an orange suit, so I have my bias. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> a Magikarp is also highly recognizable. You know, like it's been around since like, it's like a day one Pokemon that like most people, even people that haven't played a Pokemon game probably would at least recognize Magikarp. I think there's something to be said as well about an organism that can be found in both the shallowest ponds and the deepest oceans and just look the same. <laughs> They're like regional variant who? Never like, heard no, of like, it. Oh, wow. The deepest, darkest trench of the ocean. Is that a Magikarp? I think that's maybe a maybe a commentary on the invasiveness of the carp, like all over. Yeah, the world. just like hi. Well, we've done it. Where no other fish is gone. Gosh darn it! <laughs> just starts a Pokemon battle anyway, just randomly. That being said, I don't think a carp could survive in salt water. I don't think they can do that. But uh, oh well. So Ellen, that kind of um, that kind of brings us to an end of thing. But we do have to ask you like the last important question: If people want to know more about what you do and the work you guys have been doing. How can they get in contact with you? Like, how can they like listen to your stuff? Yeah, we are super easy to uh, get a hold of. <laughs> We're on every major. Um, I shouldn't even say major. We're on most like podcatchers and podcast players and stuff. Just search just the zoo of us, and I'm. We should be the only one by that name. <laughs> and if so, there's a problem. If so, if not, something has gone awry. But uh, um, you know, so it, our podcast is pretty easy to find. We also have a website, just the zoo of us dot com. Uh, we're also on social media, so we've got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and a Discord server. So um, you know, all of that can be found at our website or you can always search our name. We should be the only ones that come up. <laughs> no, I checked. Yeah, no, y'all, y'all are there. There's not like a bootleg version, like just the zoo of bus. And it's literally them doing the same <laughs> thing, but on a bus, like with really cheap microphones. Like, yeah. So like the, bum, yeah, the tree fogs be dope. Yo, like, let's go. <laughs> so again, thank you so much for coming, Ellen. It was so great to have you. We finally got you on the program. I can cross that off my bucket list. Thank you so, so much for being here. Of course. Thank you all for having me. It really has been super fun. It's so fun to have you. Thank you so much. All right, y'all, let's let's take you to the closer. All right, guys. So we had a lot of fun with that interview. <laughs> it's really great. Hopefully she can come back. She was a lot of fun. And uh, she honestly, she took my suggestion for Iberian Rib Newton. She's putting it in one of her episodes. So. There you go. Ooh, well, that that's because they're super cool. They're super. And, and Wooper is one of them. Wooper is an Iberian Rib Newton, the thing I wanted years ago. 
for this. Let's go. I'm so happy. I, I will keep going to the moon about that. That I finally, like in all these episodes, the one thing I wanted actually came around and it's a weirdo. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day or night. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye, everybody. Mm-hmm.